Good morning. Uh, before I begin uh, the message, I know Wes uh, prayed for our mothers and gave thanks to God, but I just want to begin with a happy Mother's Day. So it was quite a storm last night, wasn't it? I don't know if you were like me, but um, uh, I, I sort of enjoyed it. I kind of like thunderstorms as long as there's no damage and nobody gets hurt. And, and we were laying in bed and our phone kind of dinged. And being a, a Kansas farm boy, it says tornado warning uh you have to just do i go downstairs or do i run outside you know and um we decided we should go downstairs for a while but my well, my one of my boys and i we kind of took turns running outside taking a look at things checking out uh, the rain and the hailstorm and and uh the gutters couldn't keep up it was it was really impressive and it took me back to when i was a farm kid and i always loved thunderstorms you know we were kind of on a hill and you could see the, the clouds forming, the system forming and moving towards you. The temperature would drop. The winds would pick up. Uh, you'd see, you'd hear the thunder. You'd see the lightning kind of go across the expanse of the sky. Uh, just hear it on the roof. It was just, you know, it was kind of soothing for me as a kid. And so I, I kind of, in a weird way, kind of enjoyed it last night. Uh, and, and watching the hail come down was really impressive. And every once in a while, we'd hear a, a big one, boom. And so my, my, one of my boys ran out in the yard and got a picture, a couple of them. And one of them is a ping pong ball. So you can see that there were, there were several that were bigger than ping pong balls by almost 50%. So it was, it was quite, the, quite the deal. Roofers are going to have another windfall, it looks like. You know, going to be a good, good year for them again. It's amazing the power of nature, isn't it? Uh, we're kicking off a new sermon series today with a one-word title, Power. Power. And uh, we're beginning with a question, a simple question this morning. From where can we get the best, most effective power? I mean, if you have some sort of operation, uh, that's an important question. Where do we get the best and most effective power? Now, I'm not talking here, though, about harnessing the power of nature, you know, like, like hydroelectric dams or solar panels or or a wind farm, or even splitting the atom, all incredibly powerful. Uh, and, and it's impressive that human beings have figured out how to, how to harness those things, and it's been very useful for us uh, in, in our world. But I'm talking more about the power that we all want to access to, to change our lives, you know, to change our marriages, to change our families, to change our, our world and community, our churches, to change ourselves, that kind of power. Power to break habits, power to kind of have a different way of thinking, power to respond differently with our emotions and our attitudes to certain stimuli, power to be a new person, to be transformed. Isn't that the power that we all would love to have, that we all you know, long for? So from where can we find the best and most effective power? Well, the answer we're told in scriptures, we're told by Jesus himself, is from the Holy Spirit. And today, as we start this new sermon series, we're going to be looking at the topic of the Holy Spirit over the next several weeks. And we'll be looking at questions like, who is the Holy Spirit? There's some confusion about that sometimes, right? What does the Spirit do? How are we to react to the Spirit? Um, how do we respond? How do we know if it's the Spirit speaking to us? How do we respond? How do we react? How do we do what the Bible calls walking in the power of the Spirit? What's that look like? How do we do it? Um, questions like, how are we filled with the Spirit? You know, over the years, there's been some confusion and controversy about this. And for some people, the, the Holy Spirit is kind of, of the, the three members of the Trinity kind of gets third billing, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And, and, and it's I guess part of that is because it's kind of mystical. 
you know, hard to get your your mind, your hands around. Uh, you, you can you can kind of picture or kind of relate to God, the father, because most of us have have fathers or are fathers or at least have seen fathers in action, you know, or we can easily relate to to Jesus. He's the most easy member of the Trinity to relate to because he became human flesh, you know, right? He walked like we did. He talked. He got hungry. He got tired. He related to people. He experienced sadness or frustration. He experienced temptation, all these things. And so we can relate to, to Jesus. But when we try to picture the Holy Spirit, it's kind of fuzzy. And so we end up using symbols like, you know, like a, like a dove or, or a flame of fire uh, or, or, or the wind. And Jesus himself likened, in many occasions, the Holy Spirit to, to like the wind. Uh, like last night, we can't see the wind, but we can know the wind is there, right, by its effects. We can see what it does. We can see how it moves. We can feel it. We can sense it. We can't see it. In a similar way, we can't see the Holy Spirit since he is a non-physical person. But what he does in our lives, we can know him by his effects, by what he does in our lives and the lives of people around us. Just just uh, just something to kind of tuck away for you. People ask you the idea of the Trinity, where does this come from? Well, there's several places in the Bible that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are mentioned. But two places are really easy to go to. The passages that weren't read in Genesis 1, where we see all three persons of the Spirit. First verse of the Bible. In the beginning, you see God is there. The word speaks, the world is created, Jesus Christ, the word, and the spirit hovers over the, the waters. And then in Jesus baptism in, in Luke chapter uh, three, you have Jesus uh, there. You have the father speaking. Uh, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. <laughs> and then you have the Holy Spirit. So anyhow, let's take a look now at this passage as we dig into this topic of of the power of the Holy Spirit and who is the Holy Spirit. And we're going to look at a few things this morning from this John passage, which is our primary base today. Now, the context here is this is the night before Jesus is betrayed. It's the Last Supper. He's with the 12 disciples. Judas Iscariot's going to betray Jesus that very night. Um, and the cross is waiting for Jesus the next day. And he knows it. You know, but Jesus is more concerned about the disciples than he is himself. Uh, because he's been telling them, hey, I'm going to be leaving. They're, they're sensing something's not, not going the direction that they want it to go. And they're concerned, and Jesus knows this. And so he, he tells them not to be fearful. Earlier in this chapter, John 14, Jesus says things like, trust in me. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. I'm going to go, even if I leave, I'm going to go to a place, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'm going to bring you to be with me. And you're going to be there with me forever. And then Jesus makes an incredible promise. And it's a promise that's not just good for the disciples back then, but also for us today. It's the promise of the Holy Spirit. So as we look at these verses today, we're going to look at, it's tied into the identity of the Spirit. Because what, who, the, who the Spirit is determines uh, what the Spirit does and vice versa. And uh, the caveat here, we're going to look at three primary functions, but this is not a comprehensive list at all. OK, uh, there's there are many other things that the Holy Spirit does. It's tied into the spirit's identity, things like bringing people to Christ, bringing new life, bringing conviction or correction of sin, correction of a person's life, healing, different things like that, uh, anointing of the spirit. 
But we're going to look, uh, we're going to limit ourselves to this John 14 passage. And in future weeks, we'll look at some of these other things. Okay. So I'm going to begin with a story by Dr. Bill Bright. He was the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, a campus ministry known as Crew. And he tells a story about a, a famous oil field called the Yates field, <laughs> field Pool. And it's named after the guy who owned the land. He was a farmer named Yates, lived in West Texas, sheep uh, uh, farmer, rancher. Uh, during the Depression, could barely keep the ranch uh, afloot. Uh, had to the point where he uh, was mortgaged to the hills. His family was on government subsidy just to kind of get by. And then one day, a group from the oil company came and said, hey, we think there's land on your oil on your land. They asked permission, and he signed a lease. The first oil well came in at 80,000 barrels a day. And there were several oil wells after that that were twice as large and productive. In fact, 30 years later, one of the wells still was flowing at 125,000 barrels of oil a day. And he owned it all. He owned it all. He had been living on relief. He had been living in poverty. And he didn't know that he had access to these resources that could have changed his life. You know, many of us can live feeling we don't have enough to make it. That we don't have enough to meet all the needs and challenges of life. We feel like maybe we're on our own and our resources are so limited and, and scarce. When there is a whole other source of provision and power that Jesus has promised us, that Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit. So let's begin with verse 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command, Jesus said. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. So the disciples had, for the past three years, had the best possible counselor and mentor. They'd had Jesus, right? They could see how he lives. They could listen to what he taught about. They discussed things like life and death and forgiveness and sin and the law and money and prayer and heaven and hell and grace, all these things. But now Jesus is leaving them. Who's going to be there for them? Who's going to counsel them and, and teach them? The answer, of course, for them was the Holy Spirit. The answer is the same for you and me. And so the first purpose of the Holy Spirit we see in this passage is tied directly into the Spirit's, one of the Spirit's names, Counselor. And the word used here is a Greek word, parakletos. And it literally means somebody who comes alongside. And so when Jesus ascends to heaven, God sends the Holy Spirit to come alongside of us. So who is the Spirit? The Spirit is our, our advocate. You know, like you have an advocate in a mediation or advocate in a court of law or some sort of dispute um, to, to come alongside you, speak in your defense, to give you wise counsel. Now, it's interesting that in this verse, Jesus calls the Spirit another paraclete. So are there two Holy Spirits? What's he talking about? What Jesus is doing is Jesus is describing himself as a paraclete, somebody who came alongside us in the flesh, somebody who speaks in our defense, somebody who provides counsel. So you see, the Holy Spirit really is a continuation of the life and ministry and presence of Jesus Christ in our lives. That's a very fundamental understanding of who is the Spirit, a continuation of Jesus' life, work, and presence in our lives. Do you remember the... Uh, movie uh, Home Alone, you know, the story about this young boy played by Macaulay Culkin, 
Culkin, and, and he's left at home accidentally by his parents to take off on vacation. It's Christmas time. He's in Chicago. And uh, at first he's kind of scared, but then he kind of has fun with it, you know, and he fends off these two bungling burglars. He has nobody to depend upon but himself. Well, the good news is that we do not have to depend only on ourselves. No matter how alone we feel or maybe physically are, the Holy Spirit is there to come alongside of us. It's this picture of, of these two of, of the Greek warriors back in the day that that um, that Jesus might have been referring to or or that Paul might have been referring to these Greek battles. They, they, they would go into uh, battle, these, these these soldiers, and they would go into pairs. And so when they'd be attacked, they would fight back to back. They would cover each other's backsides. They were they came alongside the other guy to offer help in time of danger or stress or or trouble or pain or of great need. That's the picture that Jesus wants us to have of the Holy Spirit to come alongside us, to have our back in the midst of life, to offer us help, to advocate our case. Verse 26. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Have you ever faced a big decision and you weren't quite sure what to do. Of course, the answer is yes. Unless you're two or three, the answer is yes. Maybe it had to do with finances. Do I pay off this debt? Do I invest? Do I buy this house? Do I buy this car? Do I invest in this business? What do I do? Maybe it had to do with a relationship. Do I pop the question? Do I say yes? Do I break it off? Maybe it had to do with a job or a move. Should I take this job? Should I uproot my family and go across the country? Just about everybody here has or will face one of those decisions. And when you're faced with a big decision, what do you do? You look for advice. You look for counsel from somebody that you trust. Because some decisions are simply too big to make by ourselves. Well, spiritually speaking, we face decisions all the time, every single day, don't we? Do I listen to Jesus' voice or to the voice of those around me? Do I make choices motivated by faith or do I make them motivated by fear or insecurity? Will I follow Jesus' example in words? Will I, will I give up my life and live for others and live generously and sacrificially? Or will I hold tightly and look out for number one? Have you ever been unsure of what God is asking you to do? Or what God is like, or what something in the Bible means. Jesus knew we'd have those questions. He knew that we would need somebody, just like the disciples, to come along and to teach us and to remind us of Jesus' words. And so when Jesus left, God sent the Holy Spirit to guide us to truth. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is our, our truth guide. Now, this purpose that's tied into the identity of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, is, is very important. Always has been, but maybe never more important than now. Because belief in absolute truth is not in fashion, right? Statistics show that both young and old in increasing numbers do not believe in absolute truth. In other words, on some of the big issues of life, big questions of life, um, spirituality or, or ethics or, or whatever, there is no black or white, just shades of gray. Situational ethics in which a person decides what's ethical depending upon the situation, upon their feelings, upon the ramifications of certain choices. 
And that's, that's, that trend is disturbing because it means that many people are unsure and confused about the truly important things in life. But we can know what's true. We can know what's right because we are urged in the scriptures to define reality by God's truth and not by trends or tendencies or even feelings. And the spirit is given to us to guide us into that reality. The Apostle Paul tells us this in 1 Corinthians 2, that we can know God's will, God's truth and God's way, where he writes this. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But, and whenever a, a sentence is interrupted with but in the Bible, you need to pay attention. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. A few chapters later in John 16, Jesus says this, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. So we can know the truth. We can be sure about who God is, what his will is, what is right and wrong. Sometimes, yes, we'll have to wrestle through it for a while. But we can know this. As we pray and listen to the spirit tethered and anchored in God's word and truth. Which I found true in my life on many, many occasions. Let's take a look now at verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. When you look in the Gospels, one of the things that's most striking about Jesus in every situation is this sense of, of peace. Never seems to be overwhelmed. Never seems to be, you know, off kilter. Uh, he's, just, he's just at peace. Never flustered. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he prays to the Father, if it's possible, take this cup, the cross, away from me, but not my will, but yours be done. Even then, he ends up in a place of peace. Even when he stands before Herod and, and Pilate and the chief priests, he's a man at peace. And that's the kind of peace that Jesus offers us and that the Holy Spirit brings. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the comforter and the giver of peace. And we can have that peace under any circumstance because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. You see, peace is not the absence of trouble. Peace is the presence of God. And Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit is the very presence of God. And the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, will never leave us. So what that means is that we can have peace no matter the circumstances through the power of the Holy Spirit, by walking in the Spirit and believing and obeying God's truth. Now, there are a lot of ways that we can find temporary peace. We've all done this. We continue to do this, right? Comfort food, you know. Maybe our, our favorite drink, um, maybe uh, veg out in front of our with a favorite movie. Uh, it's going to wear off or an escape, you know, go to the mountains or go to a beach somewhere, a getaway in Kansas City. It's a nice distraction, but it's not going to give you peace. The peace that Jesus gives that passes all understanding is not dependent upon circumstances. It's dependent upon the presence of God through the Holy Spirit within us. And we can have that. It's a promise. 
You know, one of the most moving passages in English literature comes from a Charles Dickens classic, A Tale of Two Cities. You know, it's a story about the French Revolution. And um, he describes every day there's this procession of prisoners to the guillotine where they'd be, you know, have their heads cut off, executed. And he focuses on one prisoner called Sidney Cartone. He's a brave man who has found himself spiritually and, um, and he's giving his life now for a friend. He's going to the guillotine in place of somebody else. And in a procession, there's a young girl, teenager. And they had met before in the prison. And she had noticed that he just was so kind and, and gentle and courageous. And so she said to him, may I go with you? Will you and will you let me hold your hand? She said, I, I'm not afraid, but I'm little and I'm weak and it will give me more courage. And so they did this together, her hand in his, and they reached the place of execution and there was no fear in her, in her eyes. And she looked him to the face of her companion, Sidney Cartone, and said, I think you were sent to me by heaven. There will be no doubt times in your lives when you will feel alone. Even though you're surrounded by people, you're going to feel alone all out there at the end of your rope. And you're going to need somebody to come alongside you. Somebody sent from heaven. And there will be times when you feel unsure and confused about what to do and what to believe. You're going to need somebody to come alongside you, to guide you into truth, to know what to believe. And there will certainly be times when peace will be elusive. Jesus said our life will be full of trouble. When circumstances conspire to rob you of peace and replace it with anxiety and fear and frustration. And you'll need to know that God is there and that peace is available. The peace of Christ that it can be yours. So who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the power and presence of Christ, our advocate, who guides us to truth, and our comforter and giver of peace. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we pray, Lord, as we, uh, as we work our way through these next few weeks that we will grow in our understanding, not only our understanding of the Holy Spirit, but also our experience of the Spirit and our reliance upon the Spirit. That we that we would know and and, and 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 sense the power and feel the power of the Spirit changing us, transforming us, and and uh, and, and help us to walk in step with the Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name.